the word of God will not return in void. It will do what it is supposed to do. And so this morning, as we get go into the, today, we're going to talk about like a new heaven and new earth. Before we get started, I'm going to let Miss Susan start us with a word of prayer. Yes, sir. Kind Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for another day to be with you. I was so delighted in you. You are so kind and loving to us, yes, our seed and family members. Thank you for shielding us one more time from the hands of the enemy. Also, Father, for hiding us, our children, and family members behind your cross where the devil cannot find us. Forgive us for our sin of omission and commission. Omission and commission. Prepare our heart and mind to receive your rhema word on this morning. I'm covering myself, the listeners, our family member with the blood of Jesus, that we will not get any backlashes from this prayer. Continue to open doors for the overseer of this ministry. Give him and his family member favor with everyone they need favor from. And Father, also touch Mrs. Jackson and her family member. Give them the love that they will know that you do not make any mistake. You are a God of love and kindness. Continue to heal their heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 The conference has been muted. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This morning, uh, as we go into the 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 series of like a heaven, is just like a, something that we needed to like a dig deeper and just like a see what the Word of God says. Just like a, you know, any topic that we take. For example, right before. This we we dealt with the tabernacle, right? We we dealt for nearly eight nine weeks on tabernacle. We were going through all these furnitures from brazen altar to a brazen laver to walking into that uh, holy place where we have like a showbread and uh, the light and the altar of incense, and then going into the holy of holies with uh, uh, what is there in the ark of the covenant and the mercy seat. We should be like, a, you know, when we soak into the word, let the word soak into us, right? That's what we did. In the same way, we're going to, you know, ask God to open the areas where we will explore. We may not even get to all of what the Bible is talking about, but we wanted to explore as much as possible into this area. Today, we're going to go into the new heavens and the new earth. What is this place called new heaven and the city Jerusalem, uh, the new Jerusalem that God is talking about, right? But there was a, an, a survey. The, the reason why we need to get to this part is that sometimes we ourselves are not sure what is going to be in heaven. We ourselves are a little bit, uh, you know, um, given misinformation over the years um, and uh, 
we kind of like a belief that this is how the heavens going to look like. This is what the the the, the cloud and the the harp and the, that we will be on this uh, um, you know flying mode with the wings on our back and things like that. Right? We have seen. We have all seen like a movies that talks about these kind of things. And so the American survey, there was an American survey that went on asking about what people believe about heaven, right? And only 40% of those people said heaven is a place. And the, the 47% of those people believed that heaven is a state of being, like even now you can be in the heaven, you can be in the cloud. They're all in this Tom and Jerry mode, like how Tom, uh, you know, the, the, the cat and the, 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 the mouse, just like, you know, when one of them dies, they go to this cloud kind of mode, right? Uh, only 25% of the people believe that those who are doing good will get to heaven. Why? Because the remainder 75% of the people, you know, don't either believe in heaven or they believe that everyone will get to heaven, right? Even when the people who believe in the heaven have like a lot of misconceptions, like, uh, you know, it's going to be a long, boring church service uh, and so on. So today we're just going to, you know, dig into like what the Word of God says, right? The Bible talks about heaven at least 500 plus times in the New King James Version. Uh, and, and so last week, what we saw was about what this place looks like and that uh, what we will be doing for millions and millions of years. And, and uh, how will our body be? What will be the supernatural versus a natural body is going to be like? Uh, we saw the different colors, the foundation. In fact, each of those 12 colors that God is talking about is talking about like a different characteristics of those colors that existed in the 12 apostles. There was like a study made with that. I was just so fascinated by how much, you know, people are studying this word and trying to make it apply it to each one and how each of those four corners have like a four gate, uh, three gates each representing the, the, the tribes on how they were there in the, in the tabernacle days when each of those 12 tribes were in like a four corners with the three tribes in each corner, right? So a lot of correlation there. And then we talk about the banquet and how God is just, uh, uh, you know, is going to host a, a, a dinner for everyone. And we talked about like our citizenship in heaven. So today we're going to go into a small portion of that uh, in, in Revelation chapter 21. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Revelation chapter 21. I'm going to read from New King James Version. It says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. I cannot believe there is not going to be a beach. I don't know how people 
who are beachgoers are going to survive, and there is no sea. Let's talk about it, why there is no sea. Um, then I, I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. It's almost like this, the, the, you know, in the wedding ceremony, uh, these days, like when when a husband, the, the the bridegroom is standing there, and that music is turned on, and when the music starts and the girl walks in, the bridegroom's jaw just like a drops to see how beautiful she is in that dress. That's how God is just like adoring this new heaven, right? Uh, that he is prepared for his bride. Uh, and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. God is just saying to John, go ahead and write it down because every inch of that word, every character of that word will come to pass because I am the God of truth and faithful to his people. Right? And he said to me, it is done. It is done because up until this point, if uh, we get a chance to go back and uh, do uh, a meditation on this whole book of Revelation. Someday we'll come back to it. What has happened up until this point where God says it's done is that he starts off with his judgment process. He starts off talking about the, the, the seven years. He starts off about like this three and a half years and what happens during that time before the white throne judgment and what happens to the the people for a thousand years and uh, uh, and, and that uh, you know the Satan was arrested for a thousand years and then for a small period he's just let open and he comes and he starts to make a war one final time God just like a puts him in the bottomless pit and just like a get him out of the way. And now all of those things are done. When he says it is done, it is done. Right? I am the Alpha and Omega. So he's done putting the enemy to a bottomless bed. There is no more of those is going to happen. Uh, and, and there is no more of like, uh, you know, him being released again. This is the pure state that God is talking about. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely 
to him who thirsts. Isn't that amazing? There's going to be a time we will not go through what David has been longing for. David says, like, my soul thirsts for you, like a deer panted for its water, you know. So here God says, I'm going to give you plenty of those water that you will not feel or thirst anymore. He who overcomes, that's you and me. He who, who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. After he talks about everything, he just now talks about, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Praise the Lord. Before we get into this, you know, I, uh, my prayer is that this kind of study in the book of Revelation is definitely very heavy, but it is very hopeful. There is something that God wants to deal with you and me today. And he will give uh, what we need when we long to get this word. Father God, I pray right now that you give a clarity of mind as we go through this message, that you will, Father God, will speak to us individually, like what we need to hear from your word, Father God, this morning. Help us to just like a calm down, just to listen to your voice, Father God, through everything that you want to say, Father God, that this will become a, a manner for our soul this morning, that you will, Father God, just give us the, the strength to just like understand what your word says, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen. So here, a couple of things that just like uh, pops up uh, to my mind, you know. Number one, you know, uh, he's talking about the new heavens. If you look at the first verse, it says, I saw, like a John saw, a new heaven and a new earth, right? For, for God, you know, is dealing with his people. He is just like a making something new. Is this, you know, the new heaven and a new earth. Uh, and this morning, we're just going to explore some of those pieces. But when you go back and look at 700 years before Christ came into this earth, right, in the book of Isaiah, you know, the Isaiah chapter 65, verses 17 through 19, God was inspiring upon this prophet to write about this, right? So what we see here, this is why Bible cannot be questioned, because when all of these things were written, all those 40 of those writers that wrote the, the Bible, right, the 66 books that we have in our hands, they did not have what we have in our hand. They didn't have the concordance. They didn't have the Bible. They didn't have like a reference to go back like what we can go back. They were all getting inspired by the Holy Spirit. They were inspired by God himself to write. And 
The thing is, whatever they saw, what Isaiah saw 700 years before Christ came is exactly the same thing John saw. This is why Bible cannot be questioned. There's so many things that people say about the Word of God, but here, the Word of God that's written in Isaiah chapter 65, verses 17 through 19. Let's read that. It says, Behold, for behold, God is saying, oh, by the way, hold on, let me talk about, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice for in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem as the rejoicing and her people a joy. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and the joy in my people, the weeping, the voice of weeping shall no longer be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. Can you imagine? God has already been planning this new heaven and new earth. And even before we were born, God has been talking to several people about what is going to happen when we get to heaven. So that's why there is like an authenticity. When you look at the, all the pieces of this information that we see in Isaiah, right? Even in the book of Isaiah, chapter 66, verses 23, 22, it says, For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain. God is talking about the redeemed of the Lord. That's who you and me are. God has already got us in the picture that he's already painted. Your face is there in that picture. My face is there in that picture. God has already got a portrait taken even before we were formed in our mother's womb that he's already seeing that the descendants of Abraham and the descendants of Israel, the descendants of the Gentiles, the millions that the, the, the book of Revelation is talking about that John could not even count the, the number of people. But God saw each and every one of us even before we were formed, right? So I was trying to figure out and this is, again, you know, a rhetorical phrase, okay? I wasn't trying to figure this out. I was trying to research this area, okay? The, the, the thing is, how big will this heaven be, right? There, there, is some, there is some measurements that are given, but is that measurement, if I just like to take that measurement and translate it, it makes no sense. Why? Because even before the new heavens, a new earth is formed. Let's look at the place that we are living in right now, right? This earth that we are living in, right? And uh, uh, the, the, the thing is, we are living in, in a galaxy, right? And uh, this galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy that we are part of, is not even explainable. And the distance from left to the right of this galaxy is not even measurable. We'll talk a little bit about it, right? The, the fact that I'm trying to get to is this. 
We're serving a God who is a magnificent God. There is no limit for his creation. He has a control of heaven and earth. He has a control over space. He has a control over time. He has a control over everything that breathes and moves. He has a control over every cluster of this earth. He's got like an unlimited supply of resources, right? So there are millions of galaxies out there. This is why we cannot measure what God's trying to do to you and me. There is, uh, there is a galaxy that closest to, to the Milky Way galaxy, even though there are millions of them, right? It's called Andromeda, Andromeda, which is about 2.2 million light years from our galaxy. That's the closest galaxy that we have, right? So if you, just to, to give a proximity of like a, how big our God is, right? If you get on your car, I don't know how fast, how fast your car can go, your truck can go, your van can go. But imagine God just like a sprinkles the power upon your car to go to Andromeda, Andromeda today, right? The next galaxy from our Milky Way galaxy. And that car that you're sitting on now has a power to go 18,000 miles per hour. 18,000 miles per hour, not the 50, 60 that we have. I'm talking about 18,000 miles per hour. Then the time it would take for us to go to Andromeda is 37,200 years. This is just the house next to us. This is the galaxy next to us. And the galaxies, there are millions of galaxies that we don't even know that are existing. That's how vast and big that God has access to, right? And the thing is, when we talk about God literally, you know, whatever that these words have said here is not even comprehensible because the, even the Hubble, Hubble Space Telescope can only get to the parts. It, it doesn't have a power to go beyond a certain level. That's why the nearest galaxy is the farthest that they can go. But when we look at the Bible, it shows that God lives in heaven. He is infinite. He has no beginning. He has no end. He has no years. Like that time has no limit. There is no end for his reign, says Luke chapter 1 and 33. He's like unchanging. The words that come out of his mouth will, is just true and faithful, right? And so the dwelling place, the new heaven that God is talking about, is not going to be a small place because, you know, when we read about this, when, when John writes, after I looked, there is a place in Revelation chapter 7, he says, there was like a period in time, he gets a peek into heaven, right? After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could ever number for every nation, from every tribe 
and the peoples and the languages standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes. The only thing that is common with all the people that we are running into is this one thing that we are redeemed of the Lord. We are, we are clothed in white robes and the palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and at the Lamb. That's what Revelation chapter 7 verses 9 and 10 says. The multitude of people that he cannot even count, right? So there was a study made of all the people that has ever lived on this earth from the beginning of time, right? Because there is like a research that people are trying to figure out God. This is why we don't need to figure out God. He's just got like a plan. But if you take the measurement that God is giving based on like all the measurements that we see in, in the Bible, that the, the place, the new heavens, this is again, like a lot of guesstimate, okay? We cannot still measure God, but a guesstimate based on like the sizing that we see in the word, we could have one billion times billion people. Okay, let me say this one more time because I really like that number. It's called one quintillion, right? One quintillion, one billion times billion, which is like a one followed by 18 zeros. That's how many people God can accommodate in this new heavens and new earth. One quintillion, right? Billion times billion people. And one estimate that has done a study on the human race says from the beginning of time, from Adam to to, to, to now, all the people who died and are still living if they put like a count together, there are about 106 billion people that has ever lived on this earth and died, right? And this is all for the sake of argument, right? To just to prove the point how big this place that we are going into. And each of our house, like if we, just like a measure based on all these things, each of these houses that we are going to have will have like a 1,500 feet on each side, right? And about like a 2.25 million square feet on each level and around 150 stories tall. And in other words, like every one of us, our room that we're going to get in heaven is going to be comfortable. It's not going to be like a, a small, like a prison cell. We're just not going to have like a more than six by six space. This is like a comfortable housing that God is talking about when he talks about the new heavens, right? And so we don't need to worry about like when we get to heaven that we're just going to share room, um, you know, and we need, uh, you know, uh, in each of our rooms, uh, like, uh, you know, uh, in our dorm, like, uh, you know, we wanted to have a cabinet or uh, we wanted to have a closet or, or we want to ha- have like a, you know, a place to keep our clothes. Don't worry about it because, you know, God's got it all, right? Then here's the interesting part about the first verse. He's saying in this verse, I saw new heavens and new earth come. Then 
It says, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. This is a past tense. That was interesting. God, you know, when he created the new heavens and new earth, he also disappears the current place that we are in. And uh, Peter talks about it as well, just like a John inspired by this. Peter says in Second Peter chapter 3, he's also talking about the very same thing. That's why we need to start to pay attention to this now, because it's not like a John just like a, had an illusion to see a heaven just disappear. It's just like, a, you know, while he was sleeping, he just had a dream. No, he was inspired by God. That's why a lot of others had the same vision too. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 10 to 13, is what the, this is what the Bible says. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with the fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. And the 13th verse, because of the time, I'm going to jump over from 10 to 13. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and the new earth in which the righteousness dwells. The old heaven and the old earth will pass away. The, the brand new heaven will take its place, right? Literally, the things will be, you know, removed. And, and in fact, John saw another vision before this vision that he's recording in Revelation 21. He saw in Revelation 20, verses 11, he says, Then I saw a great white throne, and... And him who sat on it, from, though, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. Here's the thing. There was a white throne judgment that happened on um, chapter 20. And it all, like a, if we just like a go reverse engineer and go to verse, uh, chapter 19, you can also see how the heavens, the new heaven is starting to form, right? Now, why? Why would God remove the current heaven and the current earth? Right? And can, can God do The first thing is, is it even possible? Because there are people that are still living. We're, there is going to be some of us will be dead and gone. Some of us may still be alive. But how can you just like remove the heaven and earth? In fact, uh, Jesus, uh, when, when Paul writes about Jesus in Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, he's talking about it. He says, for in him, right, in Jesus, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So, in the beginning was the word. The word was with the Lord. So, the, the thing is that God is talking about, through Paul, that everything was made and through him, right? 
He is before all things, and him all things hold together. Even right now, after Jesus got resurrected into heaven, he is holding all of us together. He's holding the angels from blowing upon this earth. Without him holding anything in our life, our marriages will be a sham. Our life will be a, a chaos. Can you imagine if God, that Jesus, that his son, that is being from there from the beginning till now and forever, right? If he's not holding your life, if he's not holding my life together, if he lets his hand, can you imagine what will happen to our life if only Christ takes his hand out of our life? There is absolute chaos that's going to exist, not only in our life, but our cities will be in chaos. This nation will be in chaos. This whole universe will be in chaos. God has made everything together for a purpose. And so he is holding everything. And he has made, can you imagine, like think of it this way. We walk out and see this beautiful sun outside, this yellow round thing hanging up on the air, right? We're actually sitting on a ball, a large ball that's spinning at a, at, a, at a thousand miles per hour, right? Now, the, the distance between the earth and the sun is about 93 million light years, right? What is, what is so specific? Why, why is this important? Why is this number important? Why, why this distance between sun and earth is important? Here's one reason why it's important. There are several reasons. One reason is this. If only God made one inch closer the earth to the sun, we will all be burnt and we, there won't be any life left. If this earth is one inch away from the sun, even though we measure this 93 million light years and Hubble telescope and everything, this is all human thinking, right? If we are removed one inch away, if the earth is placed one inch away from the sun, then we will be frozen because of the cold. The heat that comes from the sun is so critical and the timing and the distance between each of these planets are placed so precisely. Otherwise, you know, this will have a confusion and, uh, and chaos written all over it right now, just like what Colossians is talking about. He's holding this earth together. The earth is rotating, like I said, 1,000 miles per hour, and it finishes one round in 24 hours, making it uh, one full day. And the earth orbits around the axis of the earth orbits around uh, the sun 67,000 miles per hour so that this journey going around takes 365 days. All this is handled by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There is nothing that goes in your life that he doesn't have a control over. 
There is nothing that happens in your life and my life that can happen without his providence. There is nothing that we go through in this life that he cannot fix. There is, it's the God of this universe who made all these things with such precision. How much more can he handle your life and my life? And we need to be in that assurance, knowing that we are the redeemed that Bible is talking about. But then, why destroy? Why would God want to destroy? He can do all these things without destroying the old earth. Right? And so, here's the thing. We have to go back to the book of Genesis. Right? There are six days that God made few things. Right? And the seventh day, he rested. But if we just like a group the days together, like a days one through three, those are called containers, right? Those are things made for um, the humans that were going to come and the animals that are going to come later. And then the days four through six is where it's called like a fillers. That's where God was just like a filling what he created with animals and birds and Adam and Eve and so on, right? When he made the fillers, right, one of the biggest fillers is the Adam that he created on his image and Eve to just like do only two things. God had only two things for them to do. Number one, he asked them to work. And number two, he asked them to obey his commandments. Those are the only two things that they were supposed to do because they were not obedient, right? Because they have listened to the creation, then the creator. Here's what happened. There were five things that happened because of that disobedience. And that's what we are living on this earth right now. The women will have pain during the childbirth, right? That's what Genesis 3.16 says. All the women who's trying to give birth from here, up until that point, a new creation would not have caused pain in the body of the woman. But now, because of their disobedience, this all happened not in the perfect earth, but in the imperfect earth. Right? And now the humans in, in Genesis three eighteen says, right, that we will have to eat the herbs of the field. What does it mean? If God has already made pure version of green plants in Genesis chapter one verses thirteen thirty, then why would I have to work and eat the food made from the field, because we are living on an imperfect world, imperfect earth, right? If only we were living in the perfect earth, we don't have to work to eat, because God has already made the the organic version or the green, pure version of green plants. In fact, you know, a um, couple of years ago, we had like a proud statistics had a, an uh, uh, event where we had like the kids come and perform 
uh, in front of a large audience. And just to, to make them feel comfortable, um, we would ask some questions, right? And uh, one time we asked these kids, if God gives you three wishes, how would you use them, right? One of those girls said that uh, th these are all six-year-olds, eight-year-olds, ten-year-olds. So they are not like uh, uh, Aristotle and, uh, uh, you know, the learned man. Uh, they, these are young kids talking, right? If God gives you three wishes, so don't expect like, a, you know, them to give like a theologically strong answers. But the, one of the girls said that she would become invisible and go inside the prison and sleep with her mom for one night. That's all these kids were asking, right? One of them said she would go around and just like a fill all the pantries with food. But there was one girl, an eight-year-old girl from, you know, her mom's serving time, uh, that was serving time in Leith. She said that she would go to the place where earth was still pure. And at that point, it didn't strike until that this study that we are doing and I was looking at these words in Genesis chapter 130. What she said made absolute sense because there was a point in time this earth was made out of all pure things. This is where the containers that God made in the first three days, one, two, and three days, was all perfectly made for a perfect earth, right? But we, just like a cost of this earth from, from, from being on that pure state, the third reason why this, this earth requires a change is because in Genesis 3.17 it says the ground is cursed because of their sin. My goodness, this ground that we are living in right, requires redemption. And that's what God's trying to do. Here's the thing, when we were in Texas, a couple of years ago, some, uh, some of these stories that I'm saying, you probably have heard it too, because uh, this, is, uh, this is what God did. Um, we went there in, in, uh, in September 2015 to Terrell Unit uh, in Texas. And uh, when we went there, uh, the, this prison is so big, like uh, Texas, in Texas, everything is big, right? And so <laughs> this prison is so big, uh, when when we saw the, the the men in that prison and what was happening there, um, it, it was, the number of people in that prison was more than the number of people in the whole state of South Dakota serving time inside the prison. So uh, we, we we asked the warden that if we could pray in that prison, and so uh, the warden did not think first and said, "Yeah, sure, why not?" Right. But then we said, no, 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 we wanted to spend time inside the prison one night and have an all-night prayer. Right? And after much deliberation and uh, due diligence, uh, she allowed us to have an all-night prayer because we know what we are doing with Proverbs 2 to 6 is much bigger than what we can handle. Right? And so when we went there, there was this, like a, from the main gate to the actual prison, we have to drive for miles to get in, right? And all over the place that we are driving in, like if we look on the left and right side, were thorns and thistles like an old plantation ruined, right? And 
we were stopped in the middle of that journey from the main gate to the actual prison. People would run the mirrors underneath the car to see if there is anything that we are sneaking in or sneaking out from the prison, right? And so when we had the all-night prayer, the whole night was so blessed from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Every one hour, the prison had made arrangements to recycle the, the men coming in to pray with us because they didn't want them to get comfortable with us. So every one hour, the guys would leave, new guys will come, the core team will continue to pray. That was an amazing, amazing, amazing night, right? After we left from Texas, a month or so later, the chaplain was calling me frantically from Terrell Unit in Houston saying that the miles and miles that we drove in that property on the left side and the right side of that property where it looked like thorns and thistles everywhere like a ruined plantation. The chaplain said those grounds were yielding fruits and vegetables that they did not plant. What am I saying? When the feet and the knees of the saints touch this ground, the curse of this ground will be shaken and that we would see the effect of our knees touching the ground by the ground responding to that cry of the saints and that we would see the fruits and vegetables come out of that ground. Can you imagine when Genesis chapter 3 was written, God was saying, this ground is cursed because of their sin. And Genesis 3.19 says, death enters this world because of their disobedience. Otherwise, we wouldn't right now have 106 billion people on this earth living happily and eating the fruits and vegetables that God has planted, right? The death entered this world because of the disobedience. And Adam and Eve were removed from the presence of God. In Genesis 3.24, that's what it says. That Adam and Eve, five things happened. Women will give birth in pain. Humans will not eat the pure green plants that were planted, the ground will be cursed, death enters the world, and we are separated from the presence of God. Now, when God, you know, created this earth, that wasn't what God had in his mind. When he created Adam and Eve, he knew that he would show up, there won't be a separation between the heaven and earth, and Jesus would come in the cool of the day and speak to his people. Now he has to take us back to what his original plan was. Now you read the verses from Second Peter chapter 3, verses 10, it will make sense, because this is the reason why God has to wipe away the, the, the earth, and he's going to burn them up and dissolve. That's what it says. Why? Because God is a pure, uh, un, uncontaminable, uh, and uh, a, a, a magnificent, uh, and uh, his 
glory cannot be even explained and his purity cannot be even measured. He is just like the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and his presence will cover this new earth. And when his presence covers this new earth, the purity of his nature will burn with the fire and remove the imperfection from this earth. Just like how the gold, when he is just like a gone through this fire to remove the dross, the impurities to be removed, God's going to send his pure fire because of his presence and just like a burn down the impurities. Burn down the things that have separated him from being with us. He's going to take down the imperfections of this earth. The curse will be removed before our own eyes. The Bible says, this is why the verse 1 says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth has passed away. Right? And the thing is this, now, the next verse says, there was no sea. When I read that, it, it was just like, a, there won't be any sea. Uh, you know, I know Miss Katina and uh, her family went on a vacation just recently, and she talked about like a, how she had to, she was sitting down and enjoying the, the sun and, and the beach and all those things in Cancun. But the thing is this, this place, that we are going into is not going to have the sea. I don't know what the, all the beachgoers are going to do, but here's what it is. The Bible also says there is not going to be sun and there is not going to be moon, right? Why is that important to not having sea? It's not like in heaven we are not going to have water. We will absolutely have water. We'll talk about it, right? But why is no sea? Because the thing is this, there is not going to be any sun because the, the earth, like we saw, the distance between the sun and the earth has to be in a perfect place because the earth needs the heat. But we're going to a perfect earth. The new earth has everything that we want. In fact, the temperature in the new earth is moderated. It's perfect condition. If you are a husband and wife, you know, uh, having a conversation in the night over the thermostat on why it should be, you know, more heat or more cold, right? In the new heavens, it is so perfect that we don't even need a sun because the temperature that is going to be there is going to be completely, you know, accommodative to our bodies, right? Jesus handles the thermostat, and so we don't need the sun. The same way, the moon's gravitational pull regulates the ocean tides. And if we don't have sea, and we don't have, like, the, the moon's to control, and the earth currently, the current earth, the, 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 the state of this current earth, has 74% of the current earth is covered with water. But when we get to this new earth, that is going to be a fresh stream of river that we are going to have 
There is not going to be sun. There's not going to be moon. We don't need the sunscreen, lotion. And the fact that we are going to be next to Jesus will tan our skin if you're white. And, and so really the, the, the truth of the matter is that all the things that we see as like a good thing on this earth is going to be better than the good thing that we have on this earth. God's going to make this place so pleasant. And this new earth, we really don't need, you know, what we have today. And we still will be happy. In fact, one of the things that, uh, you know, uh, I really liked about this uh, new earth and the new heaven is the fact that, uh, you know, that God is going to be in our midst, high-fiving every day. We will have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the, the time and space will become relative in the new heaven, right? And here's the thing. John saw this stunning city, a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. It will be such a perfect dwelling place for you and me. Right? Who will be in this place? Right? And the Bible says, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God, the presence of God, the tabernacle is nothing but a presence of God that we saw all the study that we did for eight, nine weeks before this. That presence of God is with men and slash women. It's just like a reference point, right? And he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. That's what the Bible says in, in, in Revelation 21. And, and there will be judgment for sure. Uh, and that's already done. Right before this chapter, in chapter 20, verses 11 through 15, I, will, I recommend you to read it because the whole white throne judgment is done. And your name and my name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. And the thing is this, the Lamb's book of life that has whose name will be in the Lamb's book of life, you can, you can go through the word and the word is already written about you and me. In, 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 there are three things that qualifies the person to be in that Lamb's book of life. And I'm going to read these verses very slowly. If you're taking notes, John chapter 3, verses 36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever rejects the Son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains on him. So the first condition to be in the, bank, uh, the, the, the Lamb's book of life is that the people who believe in the Son of the Living God, their names will be there in the, the book of life. Number two, there are multiple references to this. In fact, the, the one that is famously quoted for this first one, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, 
that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. In John eleven twenty six says, everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? That's what the, John chapter 11, verses 26 says. He says, if you just believe in the Son of the living God, your name will be written in the book of life. And then the second thing it says in John chapter 5, verses 24, it says, truly, truly, God wants to say it in a, in a very, like a, you know, he's pressing on this fact, right? Jesus is saying, truly, truly, guys, listen, this is one thing you need to pay attention to. That's what Jesus is saying. Truly, truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment. Instead, he has crossed over from death to life. When we die, we will move from this life to the new life. Right? I was just like a, doing a research on like a, how would, how old will we look? Will we actually all be like a frozen at this age that we die? I don't think so. We probably will all have a universal age. Everybody is going to be looking like, a, 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 you know, same age. So in, in the book of Numbers, it's talking about 30 is the age when someone will become a priest, right? There seems to be something about this number 30. I don't know. This is all like a speculation. There's no, you know, clear indication. But there is going to be a universal age for everyone when we get to this new heaven, okay? So I'm going to assume that universal age to be 30 for the argument's sake, right? Why? Because when Saul became the king, he was 30. When David became the king, he was 30. When Jesus started his ministry, he was 30. So there is something about this universal age of 30. So if you are like a 16 or 17, too bad. You will be fast forwarded to 30. But if you're like a 60 or 70 or 80, you're just going to be reversed back to the age 30 in the new heaven and the new earth. Because we are all going to have no time in this new space that we are going to be in. We are not going to age any further. We're all going to be equally placed. I do not know what that age is, but remember and know this for sure that we will not age in this new earth. We will pass from the death to life, just like what John 5.24 says. For who? The one who hears my word and believes him. And John 6.27 says, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. And the last thing that we need to believe in the death and the resurrection of this Savior because he is our advocate. The Bible says in John 6.50, this is the bread that comes from down from heaven so that anyone may eat of it and not die. 
John 6.51, it continues to say, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. And if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And this bread which I give for life of the world is my flesh. This is the bread, verse 58 says, that came down from heaven, unlike your fathers who ate the manna and died, that the one who eats this bread will live forever. Truly, truly. Now you go back into that verse. Truly, truly, I say to you, he that believes on me has everlasting life, and their name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. And the thing is this, you know, honestly, when we get to heaven, the good news is this. The believers will be present in the new heavens and new earth. When we come back next week, we're going to talk about the, the tears part. Before he dealt with all of those things, God is saying, I saw a new heaven. Jesus was explaining this to John and giving him a vision and he saw the new heaven and new earth. And the first heaven and first earth has passed away. And also there was no more sea than I saw John. I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. That's the truth. That he will dwell with us, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. We'll come back to the verse for next week, but here's what I want to do to wrap it up. There's so many songs that are out there about the new heaven and new earth and the new city, Jerusalem. We'll go through this chapter 21. There is no hurry. We'll take time. But here's what the song says. I'm looking for a city not made by human hands. Isn't that beautiful? This is a, a, a song written by Matt Gilman. There are other songs about new heaven and new earth, but this is a Beautiful song if you get a chance to listen to. It says, I am looking for a city not made by human hands. I'm longing for the garden where God once walked with man. For eternity is written on my heart. Oh, I'm longing for the day when we will never be apart. When every tear will be wiped away, there will be no sorrow, hurt, or pain. There will be no more night. All things will be made new and it will be a brand new day and in righteousness he will reign and the lamp will be the light. Behold, the tabernacle of God will be with man and he will be our God and we will be his people and the bride, she will marry the lamb. But until that day, I'm longing for the new Jerusalem. I really like this song because not only the words that were coming out of this song was beautiful, 
if you get a chance to YouTube this song, the, the picturization, the things that they are trying to show in this song is so beautifully aligned to Revelation chapter 21. I looked and saw a city descending from, down from heaven. Yeah, prepared just like a bride for the Son of Man. There is the day of gladness. It's written on his heart. He's longing for the day when we will never be apart. This is not the longing of you and me. This is the longing of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, right? I love the day of your appearing. I want to hasten your written and the spirit and the bride say, come for your beloved ones. I love the day of your appearing. I want to hasten your written. The spirit and the bride say, come for your beloved ones. Behold, the chorus is just so beautiful. The tabernacle, the presence of God will be with the man and he will be our God. We will be his people and the bride, she will marry the lamb. But until that day, I'm longing for the new Jerusalem. As we go into this morning, this is our assurance that we will one day going to live in this pure, perfect new heaven and new earth that wins. Thank you, Brother Cyril, for the encouraging words from some new information we didn't know. And just for reassuring the promises that God tells us and it should encourage us to comfort our hearts amidst the world that we live in. Some things that resonate is that when you said in the beginning that I am the Alpha and Omega, can't take that lightly because he's from the beginning and end. What you said, that in him all things were created for him and through him. Really focus on that. That's a powerful, powerful statement. And he holds things all together for his purposes. And if he didn't hold it together, there would be all chaos and out of control on this earth. And who overcomes shall inherit all things. From Revelation 21, if he is inherit all things, we are heirs to the kingdom, what do we inherit? We inherit everything Jesus inherits, and he inherits all things. Therefore, we inherit all things. Amen. That is encouraging. That, that, is, uh, that is everything. Amen. The vastness of what he created in the, in the heavens. We can't measure. When you talked about Andromeda, 2.2 million light years away is their closest galaxy, and there are billions of galaxies. It's, it can't be measured. It's immeasurable. It's incomprehensible. Unbelievable. One thing, brother, um, just as you are saying, that, that reminds me is like a, in the book of Matthew when Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, right? But my word will never pass away. We always take the later part, my, my words will never pass away. We are forgetting the fact that this heaven and earth will, gone, will be gone, but his word will never be gone. That's correct. And in and there's nothing that can happen without his providence. How much more can he handle all the things when you think about that, the universe and everything he's created for him and, uh, and through him, is that 
he can handle our issues. When you think about the vast of what he created, then we then we doubt in our own lives what the little things and the stresses and the anxieties that come from an everyday occurrence. He can handle it. He can handle everything in our life. And when you, it, 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 it's minimum, you know, sometimes we minimize it, but it's true. And we forget. We try to still take it back and handle it ourselves and carry the burden ourselves. And what, what are the five things that happen because of disobedience? And the one biggest thing is the ground that's cursed. There's a saying I've heard, we are simple people living on a cursed planet. And until that day when he comes down with his new heaven and a new earth, amen, hallelujah, no more sinful or cursed planet, no more sinful. And uh, that's not his plan. And as, as uh, Cyril said, that's not their plan. It's for new heaven and a new earth. And no sea. Cyril, thank you for bringing that to our attention because I, I missed that. I missed that in all the readings over the years. I missed that. And the reason why we don't need to see. And uh, that is uh, amen. Amen, God. Thank you for bringing that to our attention. And better, and God will be in our midst walking with us. When you said he'll be high-fiving us, wow. Walking in with us, talking with us, high-fiving. What a picture. What a picture to smile at. If you can't get excited about that, I don't know what we can get excited about. And lastly, Lamb's Book of Life. I know we're all in the Lamb's Book of Life, but make sure all our family members, our friends, our relatives, the strangers on the streets, may we be the light for those and get their names in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. Sarah. Brenda is going to lead us in communion okay. today. <clears throat> Ms. Brenda, can you hear us? If you are not, no problem. Uh, something must have happened and dropped from this line. I'm going to bring Ms. Brenda on this line. Bear with me. All right, Ms. Benda, you're on. A communion prayer. Lord Jesus, we bow before you in humility and ask you to examine our hearts today. Show us anything that is not pleasing to you. Reveal any secret pride, any unconfessed sin, any rebellion or unforgiveness that may be hindering our relationship with you. I know that we are your beloved children, having received you into our hearts and life and having accepted your death as penalty for our sinfulness. The price you paid covered us for all time, and our desire is to live for you. As we take the bread representing your life that was broken for us, we remember and celebrate your faithfulness to us and to all who will receive you. We can't begin to fathom the agonizing suffering of your crucifixion. Yes you, yes, you took that pain for us. You died for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your extravagant love and unmerited favor. Thank you that your death gave us life, abundant life now, and eternal life forever.
Hallelujah. As you instructed your disciples, we too receive this bread in remembrance of you. And in the same way, as we take this cup representing your blood poured out from a splintered cross, we realize that you were the supreme sacrifice for all our sins, past, present, and future. Because of, you, because of your blood shed for us and your body broken for us, we can be free from the power and penalty of sin. Thank you for your victory over death. You took the death that we deserved. You took our punishment. Your pain was indeed our gain. And today we remember and celebrate the precious gift of life you gave us through the blood that you spilled. Amen. 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 Today, as, as we go into this, taking the communion, just the words that we meditated on today, that he, the son of this living God, came onto this earth, right? He was in the beginning. He was the word that was there to create this heaven and earth. In the first heaven and earth in Genesis, the, the days one through three, he was there. And today morning, as you and I take this bread, just like what we meditated on, he is the living bread that came down from heaven. And if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And this bread which I give you for life of the world is my flesh. Jesus is saying as you're taking this bread, let this bread become alive in our body that we will be synced up and you know, connected with the, the host of heavenlies this morning. As we take this bread, just representing what Jesus did the night before he was crucified, notice for sure, that bread, the remembrance of this bread gives us the access path for us to move from death to life, just like what we saw. Go ahead and take this bread in remembrance of him. The same way he took the cup and he gave thanks and he said to his people that night before crucifixion, whoever drinks of this cup will never perish. This is a new covenant made out of blood. That covenant he will remember when he reads the book of life. Go ahead and drink that cup in remembrance of him and his covenant. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. The conference Hallelujah. has been unmuted. Hallelujah, Father God. Hallelujah. We come before Thank your you, throne of us. Thank you, Lord. Of grace this morning, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> God, we just like to give you all the glory, honor, and praise this morning, Father God. We're looking forward to this 
New heaven and new earth, Father God. Amen. God, we're looking out for the day where the imperfection will be gone and the tears will be wiped and death will no longer be a factor. Mm-hmm. We would see each other, Father God, in the new heavens and new earth. Father God, that, uh, that day, the glorious day, we're looking forward to it, Father God. Yes. God, instill on us a seed. Put a seed in our heart this morning. Oh, for the day that we are going to look forward to, Father God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God, we just like a look forward to that moment, Father God, that we would see your presence. Oh, walk by us every day and just like, Father, we're so excited for that day that we would see your face to face and your glory, Father God, will fill us, Father God. Oh, Father, we just surrender ourselves this morning as we live in this magnificent hope and assurance that we will see you and live with you for years. And years, and that Father God, we would enjoy everything that you have created. Yes, in that new heaven, Father God, for us. God, clothe us today with the righteousness, Father God. Yes. Clothe us, Father God, with your white robe this morning. Yes. That we will be prepared and our names will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. God, I just pray that every one of us, Father God, we are looking and longing, Father God, for that day. We surrender ourselves into your mighty hands. God, you take the glory and honor in Jesus' name. We pray, Father, for your glory. Amen. 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 Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord.